I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. So we've had an eventful week, folks, but I, I would like to talk about the two parties, Democrats and Republicans, what they stand for, what they've always stood for, what they're fighting for now to a certain degree, what they will always fight for. And we need both parties. And, you know, I'm trumped out, okay? I am really just, I've had enough. You know, to me, it's like a sports team. When the Yankees lose in the World Series, I'm over it. That's it. I'm ready to move forward. It doesn't mean I don't like baseball. It just means it's over. Just move forward. Do other things that will make America better and that will be enjoyable for all involved. That's what life's about, folks. It's not belaboring issues forever. No, 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 no. When the Lakers won and they beat something, that was it. We're Americans. That's what we're used to doing. We're used to saying, it's time to turn the page. Turn the page. And Republicans are as strong as they've always been and will continue to be strong. And the Democrats are strong as well. And that is healthy. We are not, as Republicans, going to be destroyed by one man, for better or for worse. We were all Republicans, folks, long before Donald Trump became president of the United States. And most of us will be Republicans far longer, far long after his departure. So it has nothing to do with the nonsense you've seen on TV over the last few days on impeaching a person who's not even there, <laughs> which is absolutely asinine. The most silly thing I've ever heard in my life that they've tried to do, but thank God that did not happen. But let's turn the page. So as we turn the page, let's talk about Democrats. Let's talk about Republicans. What have they believed in? And maybe you'll say to yourself, you know, I didn't realize that about Republicans. Maybe I should give them some more thought. Or you should say, you know, I didn't realize that about Democrats. Maybe I should give them some more thought. Let's do that, folks. And we'll do that on this show. And obviously, people can enroll as an unaffiliated voter, also known as an independent voter. But for the most part, you have Republicans and Democrats. So how do you choose your party? Well, Gary, the political parties have some fundamental differences. And I think it's healthy. Because keep in mind, if we didn't have the differences, we would have, uh, well, we have a monarchy. We wouldn't want that, where we have one party just saying, this is what we should do, and that's it. And back in the day, it was felt that if a person were anointed, or going back to even to biblical times when Saul was anointed, when the people of the chosen people wanted to have a king, God allowed for Saul to be anointed. And after Saul, you had David was anointed, and, and on and on and on. And all of a sudden, you had a, a whole string of kings. And then, even to more modern day, I, I would say, during the time of the British Empire, you, you had kings and queens ruling their, their, their countries and the commonwealth that they had. But after a while, people felt that, you know, basically, and there are some problems with that system, that why don't we have choices? Why don't we have people form two distinct parties with majority rule? And that is the key, majority rule. That is at the heart of a democracy, when people vote to express their opinion and to give the direction 
for the government by voting and participating in that manner. And the person who ends up with the most votes, 51%, in the case of a two-person race, they would control the agenda. In other words, Gary, they would determine what issues are brought before the legislative body for discussion. But, you know, we have Democrats and we have Republicans, okay? They were called Whigs before, you know, various titles in the past. But a Republican, once again, Gary, we're going to talk mostly about on a national level, but it does kind of seep down into the state level and also the local levels. But for this moment, we're going to talk just simply about the federal level. So Republicans, some key issues that Republicans would talk about and would espouse. And that some of these issues are extremely, extremely important to people who are Republican candidates for office, elected officials already, and or the people who vote for them. I'm going to start with lower taxes, having the ability to put more money in people's pocket is one of the cornerstones of a Republican, Gary. And Republicans would feel that if people have more of their own hard-owned cash in their pocket, they will make better decisions with it, and they can help create more jobs. And that is at the fundamental core of the Republican Party. It was not long ago, well, it was back in the 60s, when, believe it or not, Gary, the tax rate was, for the wealthiest individuals in America, was 67%. 67%. So let me give you what that means. It would mean that if, if you're Willie Mays or Mickey Mantle or Sandy Koufax, and you were making $100,000 a year, which was at the time, that, that's what they made, which was astronomical for most people. They couldn't even understand how an athlete would be making that kind of money back then. They took home $33,000. The federal government and state with all the taxes, they took 67% of their money. Outrageous. It was John F. Kennedy, Gary, who came forward, who was a Democrat. And this is one of the reasons why he won. He actually said, that that's ridiculous. You're discouraging people from working. Why, does, why should they work at $100,000 when they only take home $33,000? So Kennedy said the person should be able to take home at least half of the money that they earn. They shouldn't have to give 67% of their money but to Uncle Sam. So the tax issue has always been there, Gary. And in my congressional district, and uh, my district was one of the wealthiest districts in the country, about 35, 36 wealthiest district, districts out of 435. That issue was, was very important to a good sector of, of my congressional district. Now, today, it's different. We have a graduated, a progressive tax structure where if you are making a half million dollars or more, your tax rate is 37%. Now, think about that. In 1962, 63, it was 67%. And now it's down to 37%. That is one of the reasons why Ronald Reagan is looked upon by Republicans as being almost a saint, because he radically cut the tax rate and people were just elated. They were thrilled. But he did two things, Gary. He cut the tax rate, which helped the middle class and the, and the wealthy and upper middle class folks. But he also developed a system known as the earned income tax credit. And this is another Republican issue 
That's well, however, it doesn't get talked about that much. The earned income tax rate basically says if you make a small amount of money, guess what? You don't pay anything in taxes. And so Reagan was looking out for the wealthy, but he was also looking out for the poor or the working poor. And together, it really allowed for that Reagan era to be one of uh, tremendous optimism. And for the people that are alive today, because obviously we've had a lot of Republican presidents, that era with Ronald Reagan was looked upon as a very special period because of what he did with the tax rate and because of what he did on another very important issue that Republicans shine on, and that is a national defense. And Ronald Reagan ended the Cold War and brought, along with George W. Bush, George H.W. Bush, brought Russia, the Soviet Union, to its knees. It was dissolved. So those are two of the biggest issues, lowering taxes. I'm going to talk about that as far as what the Democrats believe should be done. And defense spending, once again, we're just talking on a national level. This does not pertain to state and local issues, which are different, as we've talked about in the past. And then the other issue, Gary, there's a number, we're going to talk about two or three or four right now and then switch to the Democrats, would be less government spending. Because obviously, if you're only taking fewer dollars from individuals, you you will have less dollars to spend from a federal government perspective. Now, Reagan would argue supply-side economics, which is if you give people more money, they're going to spend more and they're going to create jobs, which would mean if you create jobs, guess what happens? You increase your tax base because now instead of having 10 people working, you have 13 people working. So instead of 10 people paying taxes into the federal government, the Republican approach was lower the taxes and three more jobs would be created. And now instead of 10 people contributing to the the tax rolls, you have 13 people doing that. And the more you have that cycle continue, you, you increase your tax base, your tax revenue. And that philosophy made Ronald Reagan, to, even till today, one of the biggest heroes in the Republican Party's history. Yeah, so is that why in most Republicans' minds, um, they want most of the companies to have the money to be able to give it down to the, uh, the worker, the working class? Well, now that's different. Now, that's a capital gains tax cut. But yes, it, it is somewhat related because corporations pay taxes as well. And their tax rate has been been altered from time to time. But for the most part, it creates more jobs as well. But for the most part, I'm looking more at the individual tax rate for, for people because the goal being, if you make the individual more financially solid, number one, they're going to be a lot happier by having more money in their pocket. And thus, they'll be more apt to vote for the person who allow for them to have more money in their pocket. And that's how a lot of Republicans get elected. And to a certain degree, that, that's how I got elected in, in certain parts of my district, because they saw that I was, I was adamant about fighting for lowering taxes, not voting for tax increases. I never voted for a tax increase, not even as a city councilman. So I never sought to take more money out of people's pockets. So that's a big, big issue for the Republican Party and it's a winning one for the most part. It's a winning one. It's one of the reasons why the Republicans have done well over the years in so many elections, 
whether it be on the state level uh, or on the, on the national level. Other issues, Gary, that Republicans promote, not as prominently as, once again, lowering taxes and lowering spending and having a strong national defense, would be less regulations. Now, Donald Trump talked about lowering or lessening regulations throughout his term as president. Now, what does that do? It allows for less red tape or less administrative work to be done. And thus, they can save, the companies now can save money in, in how they uh, go about producing their product or providing their service. So less regulations is, uh, is something that Republicans have espoused as well. Well, now, with each of these points, though, Gary, there's a flip side. And that is why it's healthy. Because the Democrats will give you the flip side of every single one of those issues, with the exception of defense. Democrats are also very interested in our national defense. I'm not going to say they are not. But it's a different approach. You know, some people will have more of a global type of um, aspect to it. For example, Donald Trump wanted to get us out of all of these countries. And, and as far as our military involvement, et cetera, while for the most part, Democrats have, have, have been more open to doing more with with other countries. And that is something that um, you're seeing that right now with the changing of the guard. With, with President Joe Biden being being president. It doesn't mean that one would become an isolationist. No one's talking about that. But as far as, as, as getting involved in other countries' activities from a, from a military or supportive type perspective, there's differences there as well. Democrats see things differently, Gary, and that's healthy. There's nothing wrong with that because we need to have a robust debate on the issues. And plus, from time to time, you need an adjustment. You know, you can't just go left all the time. But if you go left all the time, guess what? You're going in a circle. Sometimes you need to just, you know, adjust sometimes and go a little bit more to the right or, or a little bit more to the left, et cetera. So you need to have balance, Gary, because you need to have an economic plan or approach that would fit the economic times. So you can't just say, hey, we're just going to always go in this direction. We're going to the right all the time, all the way, all the time. You end up going in a circle. So we don't want to do that to the left or to the right. We want to really measure what's going on in the economy, in the country, in the world, and then make adjustments. For example, the Democrats believe that we have too much money going to the 1%, to the absolute filthy rich, and that they have too much money. They have too much of our wealth. They make too much of money, and they're not allowing it to trickle down. They are not spending it on creating jobs. They are spending it on frivolous things or just holding on to it. That's their belief. And not saying that, you know, I'm not criticizing one belief or the other. Not saying I'm not being judgmental. But they believe that there should be more of a redistribution of wealth, a, re a redistribution of wealth. Now, you say that to a community that's very wealthy, and they get very upset. So you just lost all those votes in the room. If you go in there to a wealthy town and say, we're going to redistribute the wealth because wealthy people have too much money. They will leave. <laughs> they, will, they, they will not like you to say that. If you said, hey, we're going to cut that tax rate from 37% down to 30%, they're going to quickly do a little calculation in their minds, and they're going to realize it's going to save them $18,000 or whatever it is. And they're going to say, hmm, I can do a lot with $18,000 more this year. I can do a lot with $21,000 this year. While some people don't make 
you know, $21,000 a year. Most people do. I'm just using that as an example. But the bottom line of it is different, different objectives, different goals. Another example would be having a raise in the minimum wage. Right now, in most states, they have it a little bit higher than the national level, I believe, in most states. But that, you know, it's about 7 or $8 an hour, maybe a little more in other states. But President Biden would like to raise it to $15. $15, most people work about 2,000 hours. And it's felt that by doing so, they would be above, because sometimes if you're just living off that current minimum wage, you may not even be above the poverty level, quite frankly. So there's an argument to be made that, that you know, maybe we should do something here. Or the Republicans would say, let the economy take care of it. Because if a person cannot get a worker for $7.50 or $8, they're going to raise their offer to $10. And they can't get someone for $10, they're going to raise their offer to $11 or $12. And the economy will take care of itself. That's the belief of many Republicans. The free market system will take care of itself. And for those companies that are forced to pay $15 an hour, especially restaurants and things of that nature, they're going to have to raise their price of their product in order to make a living, in order for that to make a profit themselves. I'm talking about the owners. And so it's pros and cons to that. No one is saying that the minimum wage should jump overnight to $15. The Democrats, Bernie, Senator Sanders, and, and President Biden are all talking about a gradual rise to $15 so that the economy can adjust to it and that businesses can adjust raising it. So the biggest issues on both sides, Gary, would be money. What do you have in your pocket? Can you have more money in your pocket? And which party is going to help those individuals ascertain more money? And as far as the Democrats are concerned, they're looking at the other people, the other less than 1% trying to make sure that they can get more of the pie than they're getting today because it's felt very strongly that the wealthy just get wealthier and get wealthier and get wealthier. And unfortunately, that wealth does not seem to materialize for a good portion of our society. As I said earlier, Gary, both arguments, extremely good. Both arguments are extremely good. And you need to look at the times in order to determine which direction you need to, to go in. Following three terms on the city council and three terms in Congress, Former Congressman Gary Franks' consulting firm has helped scores of companies, large Fortune 500 firms, small businesses, and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks, a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University, UVA, and Hampton University, will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. And then I said, Gary, you know, what the Republicans are pushing less regulation, less, less rules and regulations on, on industry, on businesses, while the Democrats would believe that a lot of the big corporations or even mid-side corporations, if you don't watch them, they're going to do bad stuff. And so that is why they would need some rules and regulations that would monitor their activity. 
And quite frankly, there's a record of that. There's a track record of companies dumping crap in the water. You know, <laughs> why? Because they can get away with it and they don't feel like carrying it to the dump. So, you know, so there's a history there of some companies doing bad things because it saves them money or because they don't want to do the right thing. So with having regulations, they would have to check a box off saying, yes, we, we took those chemicals and we deposited to some disclosed location you know, 30 miles from here and someone will sign off on it that they receive those those chemicals and that would be fine. We have the rule, we have the regulations, we have, the, we have people signing off on materials and we know exactly where hazardous material has gone. And that is very, very good. So those are some of the ideas that, that have been adopted. Both sides have, have come to grips with the fact, you know, that's probably smart. That's probably a good idea because unfortunately, some of these people will allow for the, for the chemicals just to seep, you know, let it leak and go into this water, go into the ground and we have a mess. And that, that has happened in the past. So regulations can be extremely useful and helpful. How much regulations? That's where the Republicans come in where they were saying it's a little bit too much regulation. We don't need to have them to check all these boxes, maybe just this and do this, do this. And so that's where that would come in. And most, for the most part, the regulations have to do with, with protecting people, either protecting them for their environment or protecting them from unsavory people from the financial marketplace who will take advantage of them because of the fact they can. And so classic example, we had subprime loans where people were able to get loans that they really didn't qualify for, but they were allowed to do so. They stopped that practice today because it was putting people in a situation where they were unable to, to pay their mortgages and then and, and things went bad. And it, it led to the financial collapse that we had back around 2007, 2008, 2009, during that period of time. And so regulations are good. How much? That's something that has to be calibrated, has to be discussed, has to be reviewed, and also looked at on a regular basis. So those are the two big issues that the Democrats would, would always be espousing. Now, which party should you belong to? It depends on which issues that I just mentioned you feel a greater affinity toward. Now, there are other issues that, we, that we'll, we'll talk about at another time, but those three that I mentioned for the Republicans, three or four for the Republicans, and the two or three for the Democrats are, are very important ones. One I left out, and I have to add it for the Democrats. They are more for safety in that aspect, whether it's what we know as welfare for those who are indigent, but they've also done great programs, the Democrats, Gary. They've led great programs like Social Security itself, which is to provide money for people over 67 or whatever age for life. And those are monies in which people have put in since they were 16 years old. And it's a trust fund and they get it back because guess what? They put it in since they were 16 years old. And then also Medicare, which allows for a person who would get to a certain age is more likely to have illnesses to not have to worry about, oh boy, I can't you know, I can't go to the doctor. I can't take that, get that prescription because I got to pay the mortgage. I got to pay the rent. No, they don't have to worry about that because Medicare will take care of just about all of their medical needs, whether it would be from seeing a, a regular physician in an internist or whether you're seeing an eye doctor or whether you're seeing whatever, it would cover that, which is fantastic. And then, of course, safety net for those who are poor who have children and they have what's known as Medicaid. All those programs were programs led by Democrats, Gary. So you got to give them their kudos on that. 
And I'm gonna I would throw in the Affordable Care Act, but they're still working their way through that. There's some ups and downs about that. I'm not gonna put that in the success category, unfortunately, at this point. But I am gonna put the ones I just mentioned because they are success stories that were passed by people like President Franklin Delano Roosevelt and and President Lyndon Johnson. And so those are some major, major achievements. I mentioned the Republican side, peace through strength. We ended the Cold War. Ronald Reagan ended that Cold War. And we were spending billions upon billions of dollars preparing for a fight with the communists. That's over. That's over. That's huge. I can't tell you how huge that was. I remember when I was a little boy, we were always scared of, not, not scared of the Russians, but always we saw the communists as being such just adversaries of ours and, and people who wanted to end our way of life and being atheists and all these other things. We had all these negative things about these folks. And to have that come to an end, that approach, and have them become somewhat democratic or capitalistic in, in their government was a huge, huge plus for the Republicans. And then, Gary, even though people say, hey, you know, Republicans, they care so much for big business, they don't care about the environment. They don't care about the environment. And that's not really true since Theodore Roosevelt was a Republican and he's very much um, an advocate of the environment, George H.W. Bush, et cetera. But the environment is an issue that really the Democrats get more credit for than the Republicans. And thus, you're hearing a lot of discussion about fossil fuels and renewable energy and clean air and green energy etc. And, and that too would be where there's a somewhat of a divide because Republicans would, would like to be able to transition to to cleaner, better energy, but not just do an abortion, so to speak, just abort what we're doing now and and, and go full steam in another direction. No, we, we can do, we're Americans, we can do everything. We, we can't we can do fossil fuel and renewable energy. It's not like we can do either or, we can do both. But that's a discussion that will be taking place during the next four years during the Biden administration, because that was a top issue for the Democrats in the 2020 election. So as I said before, two-party system is a great thing. It does work. You have choices, and guess what you can do at any time, Gary? You can switch. <laughs> you, can, you can switch at any time. And we didn't talk about independence, but maybe another show we will, and the value of being an independent, because that, that's also an interesting path to take. But those are just some of the strengths and some of the qualities that you will find in the Republican, but some of the strengths and some of the qualities and attributes you will find in the Democrat Party. Don't forget to subscribe.